ourselves a Eucharistic community, meaning we gather around the table, we consume the broken body of Christ, becoming the broken body of Christ present in a broken world. A Eucharistic community is the way that we experience the story of Jesus together, while at the same time participating in it. To experience the story of Jesus is to begin to find your place in it. The Eucharist, communion, the Lord's table has always been a central part of the way that we have gathered at FOS as a community. But over the course of the pandemic, as we transitioned into an online community, in light of the restrictions placed on us due to COVID, two things happened. One, we ended up fasting from the Eucharist as a community because we were separated from each other physically. And two, we saw FOS grow into this beautifully decentralized, far-reaching community that spans at least three countries. And as we have grown together, met new people through our online gatherings, we want to rediscover the Eucharist together. We have finally broken the fast, and now we need to explore what does that mean for us as a community as we currently are. And this is what the past few weeks have been about, rediscovering that we are a Eucharistic community. You will hear us say these words together every time we practice the litany for the Eucharist. We consume the broken body of Christ, becoming the broken body of Christ, present in a broken world. These words remind us of what we are doing, who we are, and what our vocation in this world is. The cup and the bread call us into our identity as a Eucharistic community, a Eucharistic people. The cup and the bread reveal our collective vocation in this world as the body of Christ, the incarnational presence of Jesus in this world. The Apostle Paul, one of the earliest followers of Jesus, says it this way in 1 Corinthians, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. The Eucharist, the Lord's table, transforms us into the body of Christ together. It is mystical, it is magical, and it is wondrous. The cup and the bread tell us that the world is generative, that each time we break the body of Christ, it multiplies, it expands, it creates more and more space. The cup and the bread remind us that we are the Eucharist. We are the good grace of God. We are the good gift of God in this world, or at least we're supposed to be. In order to understand what it means to become the broken body of Christ, we have to understand how Jesus was present and what his presence meant. Learning is equal parts observation, reflection, and practice. We observe Jesus's actions. We reflect on what Jesus's actions meant, and we practice those types of actions in the world around us. I love John chapter two because in such a vivid way, Jesus shows us who he is and what his actions look like unleashed in the world. 
And sometimes Jesus shows up to the party and brings the good wine. And sometimes Jesus shows up in the middle of our religious establishments and makes a righteous ruckus. Sometimes hanging with Jesus looks like dancing on tables, and sometimes it looks like flipping those same tables. Both are acts of creating more and more generous space for people to be present. Both lean into Jesus's words, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. As we enter into John 2, we need to remind ourselves, this isn't Christianity over Judaism, nor is it Jesus's grace versus the Pharisees' legalism. This is Jesus working from within his tradition towards something that he saw as beautiful. This is him drawing out from the waters new life and possibility, much like the opening scene, which has Jesus drawing out water from ceremonial jars that turns into the new and better wine. So you see, our traditions shape our experience, how we can enter into new space. For myself, it always put me back when I first got to live with some rabbis. I was going to a school and we went to our, our Christian introduction to everyone. And within there, we got cold sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly, but just so we don't offend anybody, just in case people got too carried away. We couldn't have any libations. You could have Kool-Aid. But a few of my rabbinic friends said, hey, Glenn, um, do you want to come and meet our faculty? We're, we're having an open house. And I walked into this thing to where everyone sat together and they celebrated it with scotch and chocolate. And in that moment, I almost converted because I said, one offers me scotch, chocolate and a table around all the scholars. The other offered me peanut butter and jelly and no milk to wash it down. So I had to sit in this moment of saying, wow, there's a group that understands what it is to celebrate, to throw the party. And I even asked them, I was like, our, our tradition is so thick on prohibition. It's like, what was it like to have this? And he said, we know that life will give us time to cry, but it'll also give us time to celebrate. So any opportunity we have to throw the party, to have some scotch and chocolate, some of the finer things in life, and to sit to hear each other's stories, those are the times to mark. It was in that moment that I saw how thinking in the negative in prohibitive statements actually limited me. Life framed by defending the traditional, the historical, the natural, do not prepare you for the unexpected, for life in the age to come. Thinking in the negative closes off tables because it is scared of the mess brought when you throw the party. So what does prepare us? John two tells us it's wisdom and wisdom is measured by the effect on others. Sometimes wisdom will ask us to pass out the bottles and other times it'll ask us to break systems of oppression. As it outlines two stories, both marked by ritual, one is a wedding feast and the other is Passover. Both stories end with parties and the participants say at the end after seeing Jesus work, that I place my trust in you. Now, I don't wanna use faith because sometimes faith can be loaded because what they said was, I put my faith in you, but for this, they said, I trust Jesus's new way. They trust the risk of drinking new wine, which would end with the head waiter being shocked. The best is ahead of us, 
not behind us, that the best, beautiful, more generative and beautiful days are that which we will create as we draw water out of the cisterns, out of the stones, out of our tradition, not to repeat it, but to find new life at the party. Yet Jesus offered different responses to both settings, both festivals, both tables, when he was at the wedding hall and banquet, and when he was at the temple. In 2.10, it says that after the head waiter received the wine, he spoke to them and called for the one throwing the party, that all people first serve the good wine. But then when everyone's drunk, they give the inferior, but you have saved the best for now. And in that moment, they got to experience the excessive grace of Jesus, who, while everyone was already drunk, served up 180 gallons or 11 kegs, maybe you like to grab bottles of wine, 900 bottles of wine, of the best wine drawn out of his tradition for people that were already merry from the wine they've received. Jesus joins the celebration rather than acts as the moderator. He's not the yard duty. He's not the one hovering. He's a participant in the celebration of this beautiful life marked as the wedding feast. Systems which are categorized by separation, by consuming the other, he makes a whip and he flips tables screaming in 2.16, take these things away from here. Stop making my father's house a place of business. Stop consuming those trying to gather around the table. So in Jesus' first two signs, those which set the tone for the rest of the gospel of John, the ones that set the tone for what it means to be a Eucharist community going in his movement, one was drawing water out of stone purification jars, a symbol of his own sacred tradition. So he didn't just toss it, he didn't get rid of it. He drew the beauty out of it so that the party could have better wine. The next was flipping tables which fed off of people rather than fed the people. Jesus never starts from nothing though. He starts from what is, he starts from within our traditions, he starts with the people gathered. Drawing beauty and wine out of celebration and flipping tables of coercion and violence because wisdom highlights the way of Jesus is not an objective eternal stance. It is a subjective response to the people affected by the ritual. So that leaves us asking, what ceremonial jars, what traditions do you need to draw new wine out of? And which traditions, which tables, which were allowed, but are no longer helpful, do you need to show up to break? So at this point, we do need to have a PSA sponsored by FOS. At no point in this message are we advising that you get 900 bottles of wine for a small party. That is expensive, reckless, and given to alcohol poisoning. But we do suggest that you learn how to have fun and not just prohibit it.